Would you please stand with me and we will enter into the Lord's throne room together. What an amazing blessing it is to to be able to step into your throne room, Lord God. And even as Kim has reminded us, as you have reminded her, about the majesty and the beauty of the earthly tabernacle, how much more beautiful, awesome, majestic is your throne room, Lord God. It's amazing to me that we have access that the the veil that has divided us from you has been torn asunder because of you, Jesus Christ. How, How we take that for granted. How, Lord, we take, I don't even know what the word is, the blessing of being able to approach you without a priest in the middle because we are all priests in the new covenant. What an amazing thing. And so God, as we stand now together in your presence, we are ushered in to your throne room. And we just give you praise. You are so worthy of receiving all praise and all honor. And we stand in your presence humbly recognizing your majesty. And God, you've told us that you are like a father to us. In fact, you are our father. And we are not even supposed to call anybody else father in that same way. The same way that says you are our spiritual loving father, the creator. And so God, as we stand here and and recognize that you, you desire us to bring our requests to you, and we do. Lord, we're thankful for big things. We're thankful for small things, for wedding rings. We're thankful for that school is going to be back in session. We pray, Lord, for the safety of the students coming back together. And, of course, that safety is is physical, and, and we are still dealing with COVID. But, God, the safety we're talking about is so much bigger. The emotional, the mental, the spiritual safety of the students and of the, of the staff, the teachers, that are all part of making this, this community event happen called education. God, I pray for the administration, for the school board, for the teachers, for the counselors. Protect them, Lord. Give them wisdom to know how to lead this generation of students. And Lord, I know that so many staff at Bertha High School are followers of you. I pray that you would strengthen their faith and their resolve during this restart. God, I pray for the students that this year, this transition that they're about to go through again is just another transition, Lord. But I would ask that you would bless this time. That the students would reawaken to the blessing of being together. That they would be reminded of the opportunity in front of them to learn to be together, to be witnesses for you, God, in a public place. Lord, I think about the people among us who are dealing with various health issues. We, of course, remember Dan Almquist and his family. We think about the the surgery that's coming up for Wilford. Lord, tomorrow, please give him peace and 
and also a, a steady recovery. Protect him, Lord, from the possibilities that always come with surgeries. Be with Shirley, Lord, and Lord, just be with the Johnsons. Guide the hands of the surgeons. <coughs> we also think of Ron Ward, Lord, who's having surgery tomorrow as well. God, I know that Ron and Linda recognize you as, as their Lord and Savior, and they know that Ron is in your hands. May the surgery go well tomorrow. Guide the doctors as they do what needs to be done. Lord, there are many among us who are dealing with various health issues and, and concerns, and Lord, we recognize them. We look at this list now, and there are just many who need your healing touch. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are worthy of all honor and all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I did not pray for our nation in that prayer. And that was on purpose, I guess, because I'm going to pray at the end of our time together. And I hope you will join me. Obviously, this week has been, you know, isn't 2020 over? <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's going to bleed right into 2021, whatever all of this is, right? So, you know, I, I know, I know a lot of pastors who they've got their, their sermon schedule set, and there is virtually nothing that will knock them off of their sermon schedule. You've probably noticed that I'm not one of those pastors, and I'm not even saying that those pastors are right or wrong, or that's just not the way I feel it, it, it needs to happen all the time. When something big happens, it doesn't it seem like we ought to talk about it from a godly perspective? I mean, that just seems the way like it ought to be. So what in the world do we say about this week? Have you ever thought what it's like to be a pastor and have to come and face a group of people and try to deal with a week like we've just had? Well, I've thought about it, and you know what? <laughs> I, I realized this week that I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You're with me, but even more than that, I have other licensed pastors who stand with me on staff at this church. That makes me happy sometimes. Actually, it makes me happy all the time. And, you know, we were talking together as a staff, uh, Pastor Mike and Pastor Sarah, and, and Heidi was there too, and we were, we were just talking, what do we, what do, we do? What do we say about this week? And it was, you know that I've, I've talked to you about this when God does this? We were standing there and God did this to me. Okay? And what I realized is I'm not alone. And I, I am called to, to be the shepherd of this flock, but I'm not the only shepherd, am I? Now, the true shepherd is Jesus Christ. I'm the under-shepherd. But there are other shepherds with me, Pastor Mike and Pastor Sarah, 
are also shepherds of different groups of this church. When it comes to something like happened this week, what God did was remind me that there are others who God speaks to. And so, Pastor Sarah, I invite you up because here's what we're going to do today. Something we've never done before. This is new, I think. You're going to hear just a little bit instead of a lot from one pastor. You're going to hear a little bit from all three. So, Pastor Sarah is going to speak. Now, kids, this is your pastor. Now, I'm your pastor too. But kids, this is your pastor and she's going to speak to you. Adults, I have a feeling this will be helpful to you too. But kids, kids, Pastor Sarah is going to speak to you and then Pastor Mike is going to speak to the youth. And then I might have a thing or two to say to the adults. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) So God has given me a message and he's given this to me a few weeks ago and I've been sharing it with different groups and different groups of kids and um, I believe it is for kids and it's for parents and it's for adults, any adults, even if you're not a parent. Um, So There's a scripture that goes along with this also, and so I would like to read this to you, but before we start reading scripture, we should always pray. So I would like you to pray with me at this time. Lord God, we come before you now with a message that you've given. God, as we open your word, we ask that you speak to us. Open your message so that we can hear it, kids and adults alike. In your name we pray, amen. So this picture, I've actually shared this picture on Facebook. Um, Like I said, I got this message a few weeks ago, and it's actually, it helped me at a time when I needed it, and um, I think it's helped other people as I've shared it, so... I think this is an easy picture for kids and adults to, to see and understand as I read the scripture. The scripture we're going to read this morning is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Kids, if you're a kid, this is your part. I'm going to ask you a question. Is Matthew in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Brody, new? Is Brody right? Yes, it's in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him on the other, to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. 
Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. When those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Do you see? Jesus put them in the boat safely and went off to spend time with his Father in prayer. Verse 24 tells us that the water got rough. It was dark. They were away from land out on the water. The wind and waves were around the disciples in the boat, buffeted by waves. Buffeted means to strike repeatedly and violently to batter. So the waves were battering against the boat. So this battery was happening at night. And close to dawn, in verse 25, Jesus went out to meet them. In the middle of the rough waters, Jesus went out to meet them, and they did not recognize him at first. Walking on the water, doing something that wasn't normal. But he was there in the crazy weather, walking on the water. Verse 26 says that they were terrified, but immediately in verse 27, Jesus says to them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, I would say that in all that crazy, Jesus was telling them to trust him. To trust him, right? Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Verse 29, Jesus says to Peter, come. Come to me. It really is me. Come. So, Peter steps out of the boat in trust onto the water. Jesus tells him to trust him to do something that he has known all his life will not work by stepping out on water. But he takes a step, stepping into the unknown, trusting Jesus. Peter steps, he walks. He's walking on water, holding on to his faith and trusting Jesus. But then, then what? Verse 30 says, Jesus takes, or Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and looks around at the unbelievable chaos around him. He looks at the wind and the waves. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and becomes afraid, fearful. In that moment, he lost his trust. He lost his faith. He began to sink. 
His solid foundation under his feet gave way, and he began to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me. So what does Jesus immediately do? He reaches out in the middle of the wind and the waves, and he catches Peter. You of little faith, why did you doubt? We trust Jesus, right? We trust him. We sing about it. We wear it around our necks. We post it in our homes. We trust Jesus. But what happens when we take our eyes off of him? To look around at the crazy around us. To focus on COVID stuff, political stuff, the things we've lost, the scariness, the uncertainty. This is not normal. To turn our focus and attention off of Christ. Are we any different than Peter? We focus on the wind and the waves and the crazy and the unbelievable stuff, and we sink. We need to trust him fully. Keep our focus on him. He's the solid. He's our anchor. We can walk through the crazy with Jesus. Keep our focus on Jesus. Parents, your children hear you. They hear and they see where your trust and your faith is. They see where, they, where your focus is. You set the tone for your children's attitudes and for their faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus in all the crazy. Walk through it with him. Where is our faith? Where is our trust? In Jesus. Well, normally at youth group or youth ministry, we, uh, we take our time to look up Bible verses and stuff, but for the sake of time and not running till, you know, noon or past, I'm going to just hit some stuff quick. So we better pray right now and ask God to um, speak through us or speak to us through the, the Bible verses here. So uh, Lord God, I just ask that you would... Make your word alive and active to us here today. Help us to understand. God, may it pierce through all of the crazy in this life and, and uh, help us to see you and who you are calling us to be. We love you. Amen. So, hey guys. Y'all sat kind of in the same spot here up in the front. That was nice. Some of you scattered throughout here. but um, 2020 was wild, huh? Pretty wild. And then 2021's like, hey, hold my lemonade and watch this. Crazy times. What can you do? There's not a lot you can do, right? I came up with a New Year's resolution this year. This is, this is a new New Year's resolution. After this week, uh, actually, my wife shared with me last night. She said, I, I, I've had my seven-day trial of 2021. I'd like to cancel my subscription, please. <laughs> I thought that was pretty clever. Um, 
So I came up with a new New Year's resolution. Uh, this year I plan to do less and complain more. <laughs> Two thumbs up from Mr. Adams. Do less and complain more. Yeah, you heard me right. I mean, what, else, what can you actually do about all this crazy stuff? It's not like any of my measly efforts are going to amount to anything, so why bother? You know what? I guess I will spend all my time on social media, I think. And, and while I'm there, I'm just going to yell at people that I don't agree with. I'm going to just get harsh and say things that I would never say to their face. But when I'm, when I'm behind the keyboard, I can, I can get away with it, right? So, and then when I'm done, they, they'll call me the ultimate keyboard warrior. That'll be my new nickname. Um, kind of a throwback to the ultimate warrior from the wrestling days in the 80s or whatever, whenever that was. <laughs> um, and then when I'm all done with that, I'm just going to put my feet up and watch The Mandalorian for hours and hours. Sounds like a good New Year's resolution, right? <laughs> I mean, one thing's for certain, though. None of my efforts are going to amount to anything in all this crazy world, so, so why do anything about it? Uh, of course, you guys know I'm joking. I hope you know I'm joking. Except for the part about watching The Mandalorian. That's a good show. If you haven't seen Mandalorian, come on, Star Wars fans. You guys got to see that. So, most of us are guilty of watching 2020 cut through our normal lives like a wrecking ball. And we're just sitting there helpless in its wake. Uh, we've been confused and frustrated and angry, and we've had to grieve and mourn all kinds of the stuff we've lost. We've had to summon all of our courage just to, you know, put our pants back on the next day and face another new day. It's been tough not to speak out in anger, and it's been tough to hold our tongues. It's been tough not to lash out on people on the keyboard or anywhere. It's been hard not to get discouraged. It's been hard not to get depressed. And then 2021 shows up, and it just feels like more of the same. I think we all have this sense deep down that this isn't how it's supposed to be, right? This gut feeling that this, this isn't right. Something's not right here. I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know. I look around, I see greed and hate and injustice, idolatry all around us. And it's, this just isn't how it's supposed to be, is it? It's not. That's not how the original plan was. That was not part of God's original design, you guys. Uh, you're correct. We have all fallen short of God's original design. Sin has corrupted the world, and every single person has fallen short of God's glory, and we've been separated from him by sin. And that's why we get together every Sunday, right? And every Wednesday, to just remind each other how terribly terrible we all are. No, of course. I mean, that's part of the story, but that's not the end of the story. We have fallen short like the rest of the creation, but the good news is that, of course, Jesus threw a curveball when he showed up. He shows up, and he's like, guess what? I'm the light of the world. And we're like, all right, let's kill him. We being the fallen creation. Of course, you and I weren't there for that part of it, the story. But, but fortunately, it was still part of God's plan. <laughs> and... Uh, who would have thought? At that point in time, all the Jewish people looking around, who would have thought that was actually part of the plan? Imagine what the disciples were thinking after Jesus had been crucified. They're like, uh, I, I thought, I thought. They didn't see how God was working at that point in time. On a hill he created, the light of the world was abandoned in darkness to die. But then he didn't stay dead. So, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But then part B is, you know, he rose again. He offers us new life. Not just someday. He offers us new life right now. He offers us new hope right now. In John 16.33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
In this, tr- in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We know that Jesus won. That's why we are here. We, that's why we're together. We celebrate week after week, worship, and hopefully encourage each other, hopefully build each other up. Yet I think in 2020, we had a little bit of an identity crisis, and we're still maybe struggling with it today if, if we're allowing this last week to keep weighing us down. You see, we seem to be stuck in the idea that, that this Christian life... Um, some sort of false idea of what Christian, the Christian life should be. Uh, maybe we simply forgot or ignored the part that we're going to have trouble. I'm sure that Jesus meant, you know, when he said, take up your cross and follow me. I'm sure, I'm sure what he meant was, you know, grab a couple of pool noodles, put them into a cross shape, and go lounge. No, that's sometimes maybe what we think of taking up your cross is. Something, some warm and fuzzy idea of what this, this life is um, supposed to be when we follow Jesus. But I don't, I don't think that's the way it's really supposed to be. <laughs> the, um, maybe, our, maybe our definition of trouble is just really mild in comparison to what we could potentially face in this world. Either way, no matter what the reason is for our sinking in the waters, I guess you could call it, um, the time for mourning the loss that we've all faced, I think, I think it's come to an end. Church, I think it's time for us to turn our eyes back to Jesus, put, him back, uh, put our eyes back on Jesus, and let him help us back up out of those waters. We've all felt helpless and hopeless to some degree over the last year. But students, you remember the story of Esther we just talked about here a few weeks back? I know it was a video message. I was in quarantine. It was hard to pay attention, I'm sure, on your YouTube machine. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't seen it, I actually named the, uh, the message. It's on our YouTube channel. It's named Youth Message 12-9-2020. Really creative message. If you feel like going back and watching it so you know what I'm talking about, uh, feel free. Um, Esther had a choice to make. She had a choice to make, remember? Um, she didn't have a choice on where she was born or when she was going to be born or, you know, how God was going to have created her, what he was going to equip her with. But the choice she did have was brought to light when her cousin Mordecai was talking to her about the fact that, hey, all of the Jewish people around us are about to be executed. They're planning to kill us all. What are you going to do about it? So Mordecai says to Esther in Esther 4, verse 14, And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther had a choice. She could either lay low and protect her hide, or she could take a big risk and try to save others and put herself in harm's way while doing so. This may come as a surprise, but, but God didn't design you one way, and then he sees 2020 show up, and he's like, what? I didn't see that one coming. Oh, my goodness. If only I'd known you guys were going to face 2020 and all the junk that was going to go with it. If only I had known that that's what you were in for. I would have created you to be ready for it. No, of course he didn't do that. You guys... God doesn't make mistakes, you guys. God didn't make mistakes. He doesn't Bob Ross and have happy little accidents, right? He created you and hardwired you a certain way for a certain time. He made you on purpose for a purpose. If you're sitting there feeling beat up because life keeps just happening to you, maybe you've lost a little focus. Maybe you've let your eyes water to the turbulent waters that are all around you. Yeah, the water's been a little choppy this year. I'll give you that. Put your eyes back on Jesus and start taking some steps 
to fulfill that purpose to us, the purpose to which he has called you. Stop letting life happen to you and start happening to life. You've been called to be the light that drives out that darkness. So take heart and light it up. <laughs> In 2 Timothy, Paul is writing his last letter to Timothy. Timothy was his, his uh, assistant in spreading the gospel, right? And Paul is about to die. He's facing his death, and, and he wants to leave Timothy with some encouragement and some guidance before he, he goes, right? So, in 2 Timothy 1, starting in verse 6, he says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God, uh, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We don't need to be afraid of anything we face. We're not supposed to be afraid of what we are going to face. Listen to where God is calling you. Make efforts to trust and obey. Let him lead the way. Expect to encounter troubles because it's going to happen. Remember the hope that you have in Christ Jesus and prepare to share the reason for the hope that you have. And trust that God will equip you for such a time as this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Recognize that God's not surprised by 2020 or even the beginning of 2021. And he has given you the resources you need for such a time as this. And now, adults. <laughs> what do I have to share with you? What in the world are we supposed to be doing as Christians? What in the world are we supposed to make of all that we have dealt with this week, last year, you name it? Well, I would hope that we are to stand up for the truth. I hope that we are to remember that the word gospel means... Did you need a reminder of that? I just thought you might need a reminder of that. Do you know what we are? We are good news dealers. Like people should be, like people go to drug dealers and like, I need some drugs. Like people should be coming to us and be like, yo, yo, give me some of that good news on the down low, right? Right? That's what they should be doing for us. I just, hey, I need some good news. Like when they go on Facebook and they interact with us, they should be interacting with us because they need some of that drug. Some of that good news drug. I wonder if that's what's happening. 
Should we defend the faith? Well, yes. And that means good news. Oh, well, that's all nice, Pastor Jason. I like it when pastors talk in that fluffy way. That's really good. I like that a lot. And I feel like warm and fuzzy in my heart and I can go out in the world and like conquer the world and whatever, right? But when are you going to talk about something real? When are you going to talk about what's actually happened this week? Well, I guess I could skip it. Or maybe we could just hit it straight on. So, on January 3rd, 2021, the 117th Congress of the United States began its session and has been, as has been customary since the beginning of our United States Congress, the session opened with prayer. Did you know that? That we pray before Congress begins each session every year. Okay, well, that's, that's a good thing. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to compare two major things that happened this week. And I want you to consider the comparison, and I want you to think about what we are supposed to be doing as good news dealers in this. So the first one, I'm going to show you a video, all right? Now, I want you to listen carefully to this video. This video is a prayer. It is the prayer that began this session of Congress. So this prayer was spoken by one of our representatives, uh, Representative Emanuel Cleaver of Missouri. And this man is a United Methodist pastor. He's been serving in Congress since 2005. I want you to listen to the prayer. I want you to listen. Let's pray. Eternal God, noiselessly, we bow before your throne of grace as we leave behind the politically and socially clamorous year of 2020. We gather now in this consequential chamber to inaugurate another chapter in our roller coaster representative government. The members of this august body acknowledge your sacred supremacy and therefore confess that without your favor and forbearance, we enter this new year relying dangerously on our own fallible nature. God, at a moment when many believe that the bright light of democracy is beginning to dim, empower us with an extra dose of commitment to its principles. May we of the 117th Congress refuel the lamp of liberty so brimful that generations unborn will witness its undying flame. And may we model community healing, control our tribal tendencies, and quicken our spirit that we may feel thy priestly presence even in moments of heightened disagreement. May we so feel your presence that our service here may not be soiled by any utterances or acts unworthy of this high office. Insert in our spirit a light so bright that we can see ourselves in our politics as we really are, soiled by selfishness, perverted by prejudice and 
inveigled by ideology. Now may the God who created the world and everything in it bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace, peace in our families, peace across this land. And dare I ask, O Lord, peace even in this chamber, now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Just hold on. I want you to recognize what was good in that. Because you've already skipped to what was bad. I want you to consider right now that even the murmuring that you had as I cut that video off 13 seconds early, I want you to consider the murmuring that you had. Because you are upset about the last 13 seconds. And you have skipped what was good about the first two minutes. And I'm calling you out. Because this is what we do today. We take the part we don't like and make it huge. And then we say, look at how bad that is. And we forget to highlight what was good. Now, if you know me, and you do, you know that I am not about taking good and taking bad and mixing it together and calling it okay. That's not the point I'm making. That is not okay. But it is okay to recognize a couple things here. That what the first two minutes of what that Methodist pastor had to say were powerful and profound words. Seeking peace, seeking reconciliation, trying to refocus our Congress on the principles that made this nation great and continue to make it great if we will stick to them. I want to recognize that what he had to say in the first two minutes was powerful and meaningful. Because when you stop and just take the sound bite, you can miss all of that. Now, <laughs> the last 13 seconds are not good. <laughs> okay? You know, I might just have a video queued up that shows the last 15 seconds, last 13 seconds. Maybe we should watch the last 13 seconds. So, at the end of his prayer, here's what he said. Even in this chamber, now and evermore, we ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman.
a man and a woman? A man and a woman? Now, that has been talked about. And by the way, this, this uh, representative of Missouri, he's a Democrat. <laughs> Do you see what those Democrats are doing? Amen and a woman? Well, that proves it. Everything's off the rails. They're horrible. They're, they're monsters. And they're idiots. Because obviously the word amen is not a gender word. Right? What does amen mean? Do you guys know? So be it. It is a word that is used in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Especially in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy has about half of the occurrences of the word amen. And the reason it's in Deuteronomy is because Deuteronomy is a book of the law. And so the people of Israel, when, when Moses would say, and this is the law of God, he would say the law of God. Here's the Ten Commandments, for example. And the people would say, Amen. In other words, so be it. In other words, we submit to that covenant upon our lives. Amen. We hold ourselves underneath the authority of God. Amen. Then it also comes out again in Nehemiah and Ezra. Because Ezra, this is a number of years after Deuteronomy, Ezra was restarting the covenant for the people of Israel. And so he did the same process and the people said, Amen. Let it be said. It's not a gender word. It doesn't mean a man. That's silly. <laughs> It's a Hebrew word that means, let it be said, or truly, or basically it's saying, I submit to the covenant that you are saying to do. It's like a way of signing your name on a covenant. That's what it means. So why did this Methodist pastor do this? Well, if you listen to his explanation, it's because he was trying to recognize that this Congress, the 117th Congress, has more women as representatives and senators than has ever been the case. He was trying to say, I think, that I recognize the valuable contribution of women to this assembly. Now, I would, if I, if I personally got to talk with him as a pastor to a pastor, I would have said, you had an opportunity to say something good and to teach something good, and you mixed it up. All right? You mixed it up and you just made it more confusing. Okay. But that's not even the worst thing he said. And that's all we focused on, isn't it? That's all the news explodes. And that's all that you're listening to on Parlor or whatever. That's all that you're hearing. Oh, look how terrible the Democrats are. Because they said, amen and a woman. Of course, the much worse thing that this Methodist pastor did was reference Brahma. Brahma is the Hindu god of creation. And then he spoke as if Brahma and if as all gods are equal to the creator god. Who has a name? His name is Yahweh. He also has a name. His name is Jesus. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, this point 
maybe you have heard it before, but I need you to hear it again. Politicians are not our Savior. Stop acting like they are. I didn't get an amen for the second one. Let it be said, our Savior is Jesus the Christ, not politicians. Should we pray for politicians? Yes, we are scripturally obligated to. That's one way of thinking about it. But also because we want to pray for them. They are leading the government of our country, and, our, and the government of our country has been ordained by God, Romans chapter 13. But do not act like our politicians are our Savior because they're not, and they do stupid stuff. This was a stupid one. And as a fellow believer in Jesus Christ, if I had opportunity to talk to my brother, which he probably is not going to listen to my live stream, okay? But if he did, I would say, Brother, you have hurt the cause of Jesus Christ by your words. Even as you helped the cause of Jesus Christ by your eloquent prayer. There's good and there's bad there. But notice, I'm not just looking at the soundbite. Please, we must stop this. We must stop this. I don't care if you're this far left that you're so blue that you don't even know what the color red is. I don't care if you're this far right that you're so red that you don't know what the color blue is. You know what your primary affiliation is, folks? It's not blue or red. Jesus Christ is the Savior. This is what we live our life by. The Constitution's good and helpful, and I am thankful that we live in a country where there's religious freedom. I don't live my life by the precepts of the United States Constitution. I live my life by these precepts. Do not get this confused. Okay. That's the first thing. You know, I was all ready to preach on that. <laughs> and then last week just kept happening. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? All right. Let's talk about the second thing, shall we? So, I want you to know something that you're not going to be surprised about. It's hard to trust the media. It has become difficult to trust that we are getting the correct information about what's actually going down. That's frustrating. That's frustrating. And it just seems like we just can't trust NBC and CBS and CNN and Fox News and we just can't trust it all. So instead, we'll go to the much more trustworthy place, Facebook. <laughs> Are you for real? Are you for real? What is with you guys? What is with us guys? Why do you repost stuff that you don't check to make sure it's factual? Why do you do that? Well, because we can't trust the news, so we're just going to... We're just going to put on there what needs to be put on there. Okay, great idea. Wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be nice to know what actually happened in Washington, D.C. this week? 
was anybody there? Nobody was here. So we, get, we like get stuck having to, to learn what actually happened, right? Doesn't it feel like we've been led astray? Doesn't it feel like the media is purposely doing something terrible? Doesn't it feel like that? Ah, get your guns! I just wish somebody would have been there that we could trust. Well, I wasn't there. I wish I would have been. I think it would have been good to be there to see what happened. Because I don't trust the media sometimes either. You know, I've told you a couple times that I'm on the credentialing committee of the Church of God. And one of the things that I get to do, a privilege I get to do, is I get to help pastors go through the ordination process. It's a three-year process. I've told you that. And it's kind of fun because at the, the North Central Region Retreat that, that Mike and Sarah and I and, and Karen, we were, and we were there. And we got to, I got to lead an ordination service in which four people in our region were ordained for ministry. One of those four people, his name is Al Jessup. He is a pastor in a small town in rural Nebraska. Al is very likely listening to this message right now because I asked him permission to use his name. And whenever I do that, I like, to, I like them to know they can watch. And if I say something incorrect, Al is going to call me this week and I will correct what I said next week. Okay? So, Al, hi. Al put something on Facebook this week. Oh, there's Facebook again. But he put something interesting on Facebook earlier this week, and I, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it until the week went forward. He said, well, before I get to that, I just want to let you know, Al is and did get ordained. He has a keen theological mind. He knows Scripture well. He is an ordained Church of God pastor. He knows us. He comes from a town similar to us. He's trustworthy. And he was there. Because I saw on Facebook earlier in the week, he just put on there, he doesn't go on Facebook much, but he just put on there, I want you to know that I'm going to be in D.C. And I'm going to just be there, basically. So I didn't think much of that, but then what happened, happened. And for those kids, and, and you maybe don't know what happened, I, most of you probably know, there was a rally for Donald Trump. And the rally, um, it started in the morning where Donald Trump actually addressed the group that was there. And it was a, a large group, thousands of people. And Donald Trump, President Trump, addressed the group. And in that address, which by the way, you only hear little tidbits of the address, right? In that address, um, well, what has the media told you? Well, let's, let's just hold on. Let's hear it from the ordained Church of God pastor that was there. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Here's what he said. Now, this is what Al said. Um, so, bring it up with him. He listened to Donald Trump speak. And Donald Trump reiterated that he feels that the election has that there were improprieties. He listed 28 improprieties in the election. And the reason why Al was there, and this is Al's words, he said, the election doesn't pass the smell test for me. That's what he said. Now, I know I'm getting into delicate waters here, okay? I know I am. 
If we can't talk about things that are delicate, what are we doing here? So Al said the election just didn't smell right to him, and, and he gave a number of reasons that I'm not going to go into, but he said he just he wanted to go to Washington, and his purpose for being there was to just let the elected leaders, his leaders, our leaders, he wanted to let them know that they need to look into this more than they have. That was his purpose for being there. I, he said, I wanted to be there in person and just let my elected leaders know I want them to look into this more. Now, is that an okay reason to go to Washington, D.C. in person? Yes, it is. Last I checked, the First Amendment allows us to do that. Does it not? Yes. He listened to Donald Trump's speech. And Donald Trump was being Donald Trump. And I asked him specifically, Al, did Donald Trump incite that crowd to attack the Capitol building? Yes or no? And what he said was, no, I did not get that sense. I got the sense from Donald Trump that he is upset because of the inconsistencies in the election. And he said to the crowd, march to Pennsylvania Avenue and let your frustration be known to Congress. Let your frustration be known to the elect, your elected leaders. And Donald Trump, of course, as you know, in the soundbite said, I will walk with you, right? Of course, he didn't actually walk with them. I mean, he was probably speaking figuratively. So, Al was in the crowd. And he then marched with the crowd from that location across the National Mall to the Capitol building. He did not get to the Capitol building first. The group that got there first was a group that were all dressed in military fatigues, all in black. They led the way. And they all got there to the Capitol. And by the time Al got there, and this is what I, I want you to get. Al told me when he got there, he knew something was wrong as a pastor. Al is a man who, as I've walked alongside him in the credentialing process, I would say he is someone who has, a, he's a deep thinker and he has a heart for the things of God, okay? He felt this, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Al Jessup recognized demonic presence in that moment. It hit him like a wave and knocked him to his knees. He was on the steps of the Capitol building when that happened. He knew something wasn't right. He could feel it in his spirit as a pastor, as a man of God. And when that happened and the people started to press and they pushed and the police were moved, the Capitol Police, and the doors were breached, and when that happened, he fell to his knees as if he had been struck 
because he could do nothing but pray for our country because he knew that the enemy was present and working. And as he fell to his knees and was struck to pray, others around him were were gathered to him like a magnet. And more people fell to their knees on the steps of the Capitol and prayed for our country and for the division in our country because he could feel the evil that was happening. And make... It was Antifa. It was this. It was that. Are you kidding me? Does it even matter? There were people there from all stripes that were doing these things, attacking the very center of our democracy. And might I say, unequivocally, unequivocally, it was wrong. Violence in that way was wrong. I don't support it in any way. But the media has only given you the little piece, haven't they? They've given you the piece to show how terrible this group of Trump supporters were. Weren't they just awful? Weren't they terrible? It's almost like they showed the last 13 seconds. Oh, comes home to you now, doesn't it? Because you did the same with the Democratic representative. The vast majority of people in that crowd, in my opinion, based upon firsthand eyewitness, were people of faith who were there to have their voice heard, which is a constitutional right. And they were there to pray for our nation, many of them. But not all of them. There was a group in that gathered mass that created a mob. And when that wave of spiritual darkness hit that moment, the people that were not settled, were not anchored to Jesus Christ, were carried up in the demonic moment and pushed into the capital. But there were also men and women of God there, interceding for our nation. A Church of God pastor on the steps, interceding in the moment of spiritual attack. Now, do you see, there's always more to the picture than what you think there is. I am here to tell you, we are not to be on the fringes of this, only hearing the soundbite we so choose. We are not to act based upon only the 13 seconds. If you're Republican or you're Democrat, I want you to stop and think about this. Think about that there's more going on in both of the stories that I've showed you. There is a more complete picture going on than the little bits and pieces. And you say, well, we can't trust the media, but then you trust the the other side that's doing the same. Our trust comes from Jesus Christ, not from Facebook and Parler. Not from what you think's happening because you get half the information. Who are we in this? May I remind you who we are? Mike already quoted this, but I want to give it again. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Do you know that the, 
the, the prayer of that Methodist minister, there was more than 13 seconds of that prayer in which he prayed for peace and against division in our country and in Congress. Think about that. More than 13 seconds of his prayer was for peace. More than 13 seconds of his prayer was that we might unite as a country and face some of the things that are, are challenging us. But you've only looked at the 13 seconds at the end. Peace is worth, peace is worth going for. And we will face trouble. Yes, we will. Jesus is overcome. Can I remind you again of who we are? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know, we've talked about love. We, and and, and God, has, God has talked to me like, we need to talk about love. And then this year, when it felt like everything was depressed, God said, you need to talk about joy. And we talked about joy through 2020. And you know what? God was like, okay, you ready for the next one? Tell your people about peace. 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 That's who we are. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are, is that you on Facebook? Because I browsed Facebook a little bit this week trying to get ready for this message. You know what? I got angry just browsing. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that there are people that you love that have just feel like they've gone off the stinking cliff on Facebook. What are you doing? Because I guarantee you it's not that. Are we supposed to stand against the last 13 seconds of that prayer? Yes. That way. Are we supposed to stand against what happened at the Capitol building? Yes. That way. Because, look, a couple verses later, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. We're the salt. Do you know when you only, you live your life on the last 13 seconds of these things? Do you know that, that if that's your input, you are salt that's not salty anymore? I'm speaking to you, Republicans. I'm speaking to you, Democrats. Our affiliation is Jesus Christ. Is it wrong to be a Republican? No. Is it wrong to be a Democrat? No. It's not wrong to be those things as long as they are underneath Jesus Christ. And we are always seeking to be peacemakers. Not division. We have something the world doesn't have. Hebrews 6, 17-19. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. 
God is unchangeable. He does not lie. And the oath that he gives is worth anchoring your soul to. Jesus is the anchor of our soul. It ain't Donald Trump. And if you think it is, he ain't the Savior. It ain't Joe Biden either. It's Jesus Christ. When you forget that, church, we're done. Because we have just become salt that's not salty. You are going to have opportunity to talk to people in a way about this issue. Are you going to talk to them as salty or unsalty? Are you going to talk to them as peace bringers or division bringers? So many Christians are not speaking the good news of Jesus Christ right now. Stop. You know, I've got two more passages of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12. Here's a fun one. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. <laughs> That's fun. To mind your own business and to work with your hands. Just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. And so that you will not be dependent on anybody. <laughs> what, a, what a passage of scripture for the moment. <laughs> Where's that? And if, if it hasn't sunk in yet, I got one more for you. 1 John 4, 20-21. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Oh, you guys. We've already talked about this. Those Black Lives Matter, they just rioted and how terrible that was. As if there were not peaceful protesters as part of that. As if there were not people who had been compelled by God to go out there in the same way that Al Jessup had been compelled. Look at the whole thing happening. Am I, was it okay they burned down half of Minneapolis? Of course not. Of course not. But then the next statement is, well, they're all just a bunch of... And now we're so surprised that now people look at what happened to the people that invaded the Capitol. Well, they're all just a bunch of... We need to wake up, church. We are the peacemakers in society. We are the ones who bring the love of Christ to the forefront. We are the ones who, in every interaction, promote unity, not division. In every interaction. Who are we? That's who we are. Was the 13 seconds bad? You betcha. Should we stand against it? Yes. In love. We have an anchor. The world needs the anchor. We have the good news. Be a good news dealer. You see something happen on Facebook? On Parlor? Put some good news in there. Be a good news dealer. Jesus is our anchor. We can 
do this. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We desire to be the people you've called us to be. We desire, Lord, that this nation would be a people who humbles themselves under you. But God, then, then it seems sometimes like we as Christians join into the things that are causing the division. We speak against the influence of Satan in our country in the name of Jesus Christ. And we have now recognized that that influence is on both sides of the political aisle, have we not? We speak against this. We seek a path in which you, Jesus Christ, are the only Savior. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help our country, God. Help our country, please, God. We want to be salt and light. Give us the strength, Lord, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.